G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Well, Wednesday rolls around quickly. On a Wednesday, we like to check in on breaking news out of Israel and more broadly across the Middle East. Ron Ross has been scouring the headlines this week. Hey, Ron, welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Hey, Ron, let's start with something that's on the cultural calendar in Israel. Today, Israel enters the second and final day of the holiest Jewish holiday, Yom Kippur. What's this one about? Yeah, it's the Day of Atonement, the holiest day in Judaism, and it's a 25-hour-long day of fasting and praying. The Jewish holiday has a rich history, with its rules and traditions being among the most extensive in the Jewish tradition. This includes a number of different religious symbols, obligations, customs and traditions formed and codified over thousands of years. It also comes with its own unique prayers, that distinctly set it apart from other holidays. The fast of Yom Kippur is explained in the Bible, described in the book of Leviticus as a day of cleansing, where the Jewish people atone for their sins, become pure, and pray that they are inscribed in the book of life. However, its cultural significance goes far beyond its biblical roots. With the holiday going back to biblical times, It's been very much a part of Jewish law and history for thousands of years and has become intrinsically rooted in Jewish and Israeli culture. This to the extent that many otherwise non-observant Jews will still go out of their way to observe the holiday in at least some capacity. Most notably, they'll be attending synagogue services. One famous example of Yom Kippur observance from otherwise secular Jews was Baseball Hall of Famer Sandy Koufax, who refused to pitch in Game 1 of the 1965 World Series because it was taking place on Yom Kippur. For others, especially in Israel, the holiday is known as the day when nearly the entire country shuts down, with all businesses closed and roads quiet. And I still remember the kids and the neighbours playing soccer on the main freeway because there wasn't a car in sight. <laughs> we often feel like we're not bound to traditions uh, as Christians, but we certainly can learn lots from Jewish feasts and these sorts of uh, high holy days. Uh, they have some pretty good lessons in them, don't they, Ron? Oh, I think they're amazing, and uh, it's wonderful to study them all because everyone leads to the coming of Messiah, the fulfillment of all these feasts in Jesus. And uh, it's just amazing to go in depth, to get a background look at all that the Lord has done for us. Uh, Let's move on. Some other headlines. Israel relief workers have rushed to aid Florida hurricane victims. Uh, What's this one about? Yeah, just over a week after United Hatzalah sent a mission to Puerto Rico to assist people affected by Hurricane Fiona, the Israeli Voluntary Emergency Response Organization dispatched a second relief team 
this time to assist Floridians following the devastation caused by Hurricane Ian. This is our fastest turnaround time ever for separate missions, said Vice President of Operations Dov Maisel of the team departing for Israel last Saturday. When we saw the level of damage caused by Hurricane Ian and the fact that millions of people were forced to evacuate and suffered losses and damage, we knew we had to help. This will be Friedson's third hurricane relief mission and his second to Florida, having also been part of the relief team that assisted after Hurricane Irma struck Florida in 2017. Well, checking on this week's headlines, let's move to another one. The Israeli government has moved to enlist their secret service, Shin Bet, to fight rising crime in Arab communities. What are the headlines reporting, Ron? Yeah, there's a bit of a debate about this. A government decision to step up Shin Bet, which is a very powerful organisation, and their involvement in fighting rising organised crime in Arab community finds the Arab Israelis divided. Some are firmly opposed, others are desperate for help to combat the escalating violence. On Sunday, the government decided to involve Sinbet and the Israel military to fight the tide of illegal arms in Arab society. The easily available weapons are seen as a key engine of the wave of violent crime that has left 96 Arab Israelis dead since the beginning of 2021. Public Security Minister Omar Balev said in early September that he'd held discussions with Justice Minister Gideon Zahar and Attorney General Avagai Mendelblit in an attempt to find the legal footing for Shin Bet to join the fight against the Arab criminal organisation. Shin Bet can prevent suspects from meeting, and meeting with lawyers particularly, can hold them without charge, and wield technological tools that allow them to provide precise intelligence with little oversight by any civilian court. Uh, Ron, an interesting one, could be controversial. Uh, Israel could share nuclear technology with their Arab Abraham Accord partners. Uh, What's the latest here? I find this an amazing story because for years and years, Israel has not responded to questions about their own nuclear capabilities. Israel's nuclear chief told the International Atomic Energy Agency conference his country could share nuclear technology and know-how with Arab and Muslim nations who were part of the Trump-brokered Abraham Accords. We are hopeful that the new spirit in our region, as demonstrated by the Accords, will mark a path forward for meaningful, meaningful direct dialogue within our region, including in the Nuclear Fora, the Director General of the Israeli Atomic Energy Commission, Moshe Edri, told the conference in Vienna. Israel's state-of-the-art technology provides us with significant levels of knowledge and capabilities. It's now clear that Iran conducted a military nuclear program gaining technology and knowledge aim to produce elements for a nuclear weapon device. These activities took place in many undeclared sites. The United Arab Emirates and Bahrain, with whom Israel is signed on the Abraham Accords, have normalized relations and share a common interest with the Jewish state in combating the Iranian threat.
Well, let's touch on something perhaps a little lighter and something a bit surprising, I think, for a last item today, Ron. Just recently we were talking about the popular boys' names and girls' names in Australia. Well, there's the most popular boy baby name in Israel. Something of a surprise. Hit us with what it is. (laughs) And it's the same in France, I want you to know. (laughs) Mohammed was once again ranked the most popular name Overall, given the newborn babies in Israel in the past year, Israel's Population and Immigration Authority said this week in its annual report, the name was given to 1,949 Israel Arab babies in the uh, Jewish year 5782, followed by Adam, 1,364. Yosef, or Joseph, a name given to Jewish Christian and Muslim Israelis came in third with 1,294, followed by David, 1,119. When it came to baby girls, Abigail, the Hebrew version of Abigail, came top with 993 girls receiving the name. Tamar came in second with 943, followed by Yael, 797. Mohammed and Maya were Israel's most popular baby names in the year 2020. According to data published by Israel's Central Bureau of Statistics, released in August, the most common name overall, by a huge margin in Israel's 74 years of existence, is Mohammed, with 115,356 Israeli boys receiving that name between 1948 and 2021. 20% of Israel's population is Arab. Well, I was going to say, uh, what's the percentage? But you're saying only 20%. Uh, That must mean there's an awful lot of Arabs naming their boy Muhammad because uh, I'm assuming, and I might be wrong, but I'm assuming that probably most Jewish families wouldn't name their boy Muhammad. Would that be the case, do you think? I'm just trying to think of a school teacher that says, come here, Muhammad. Get <laughs> <laughs> an avalanche of kids coming running at him. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ron, always appreciate your update. Thanks so much for joining us today and uh, all the best for the rest of the day. And uh, we'll catch up again next week. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.